Thanks for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. More turbulence in the banking sector. Shares of Swiss bank Credit Suisse tanked today after a key backer said it can't offer more help. The Swiss central bank had to step in. In the aftermath of Silicon Valley Bank's fall, there's debate over whether the bank should be bailed out or not. An investment strategist argues that we should let the bank collapse without any help. Short sellers profiting from the collapse of regional banks taking advantage of the sell-off in shares. And artificial intelligence has just become a lot more intelligent. ChatGPT version 4.0 is out, far smarter and more capable than its predecessors. A big boost to the AI revolution. Google is competing heavily with Microsoft and artificial intelligence. What are they doing and what are their new releases? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. On Wall Street, the Dow and the S&P closed lower as problems at Credit Suisse revived fears of a banking crisis. More on that in just a moment. The Dow fell 281 points, or 0.9 percent. S&P lost 27 points, or 0.7 percent. Nasdaq rose 6 points, 0.1 percent. The troubles in the banking sector show no signs of stopping, seems like. Shares in Swiss bank Credit Suisse plunged today, hitting a record low. This comes after its biggest shareholder, the Saudi National Bank, says it couldn't put in any more money. The Swiss central bank later stepped in, saying it would provide liquidity to Credit Suisse if needed. The Swiss central bank also assures that Credit Suisse meets the capital and liquidity requirements. And there is no contagion risk for Swiss banks. Credit Suisse shares closed down 14 percent on the Nasdaq today. What caused the initial drop was that earlier today, Saudi National Bank said it can't increase its stake in Credit Suisse anymore due to regulations. The chairman of the bank did say, though, they're satisfied with Credit Suisse's financial turnaround plan, despite its recent scandals. But apparently that didn't stop investors who were quick to sell on bad news. They're also concerned about possibly more hidden trouble in the banking system as this comes right after the two bank collapses here in the U.S. And now we have Lance Roberts here, Chief Investment Strategist at RIA Advisors. Now, thanks for joining me, Lance. Um, I'm sure you're following the Credit Suisse uh, story. Let me just get your quick reactions there. What are your thoughts? Well, look, what's happening with Credit Suisse, of course, uh, one of their, their, well, their biggest investor is basically pulled out, so, so, to, so to speak. Um, but Credit Suisse has had problems for quite some time. Uh, you know, this is not a new thing for Credit Suisse. They've had trouble with different derivatives, et cetera. So, you know, this is one of those banks that has, has been in trouble previously and is, has been kind of struggling along over the last several months, really. And this is just kind of the culmination of, of really a period of trouble for the bank. But, um, you know, unfortunately, this comes on, you know, right here at the same time that we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank and Republic National Bank, et cetera. And it's just all kind of falling into this umbrella of financial stress. And let me get you to weigh in. Do you feel like there should be a bailout here for Silicon Valley Bank? No. Um, look, we have capital. You know, capitalism is is come under attack a lot over the last couple of years. And, you know, we blame capitalism for wealth inequality, et cetera. And that's not really capitalism. Uh, that's corporatism that's causing that problem. And part of corporatism comes from the fact that we don't allow capitalism to function. And when capitalism is allowed to function, that means there's winners and there's losers. And that means that sometimes we have to allow banks to fail. And again, Silicon Valley Bank is getting bailed out. Most of the are, are getting supported, but most of those depositors are very rich corporations, very rich individuals that have money there. 
And you know, there that's a risk. When you deposit more money into a bank than what you are covered by FDIC insurance, that is a risk that is on you as an investor or as a depositor. You should know better and you should diversify your deposits accordingly. And so, no, every time we go in to bail out or to support or to guarantee deposits, yes, there is a very negative context to not doing that. Yes, it is going to impede economic growth. Yes, it is going to cause pain in the economy. But if you ever want to get the economy back to where it is functioning properly without needing bailouts, every time we have a crisis in the economy, you've got to allow capitalism to work out. I know that's a harsh statement. People disagree with that. But it's just the function of how capitalism has to work in order to be healthy and to benefit the economy as a whole. So if we're speculating about how, how many basis points we're going to see next meeting, if we take into consideration that the Fed uh, cares about the banking sector much more than inflation, if it doesn't hike at all, should we be concerned? Is that a signal for something that's, that's very serious that's happening in the banking sector? Yeah, what I think we'll see is I think we'll see the Fed hike 25 basis points, um, and I think we'll see them soften their language in terms of their inflation fight. I think they'll definitely make a mention of financial stability, and they'll make notice of what happened with the banking system. They, they'll say that they're watching this very closely, they're monitoring incoming data, et cetera. But I still think they'll hike 25 basis points, because if they didn't, if they come in at no, uh, at, at no rate hike, and mention financial instability, the immediate response from the market is going to be there's more trouble here than we realize. And that could really cause a, a much larger sell-off in the market, you know, as opposed to what everybody thinking. Everybody's been hoping that, oh, the Fed's going to pause or pivot, and that means that's great for stocks. Never in history has the Fed paused rate hikes or pivoted rate hikes where that was good for stocks, because when the Fed pauses or pivots after a rate hiking campaign, that's because they've broken something either economically or financially. So if the Fed would pause or even cut rates, which is, I don't think it's going to happen, but if they did, that signal tells you that there's a lot more wrong with the system than what we currently realize. So if the Fed uh, keeps uh, hiking, um, what are the risks that we're, we should be looking out for for regional banks going forward? Well, you know, again, you know, the, the risk that you're looking for really is, is ultimately credit. Um, and it's not just necessarily regional banks, and, and they're just the ones that are right now, they're kind of in the focus. But remember, 20% of the Russell 2000, these are these small cap, you know, these smaller cap corporate, uh, corporations that are in that index. About 20% of those rely on debt in order to meet funding requirements, et cetera, for the companies. They're, there's what we call zombies because they, they rely on debt to stay alive. And with higher interest rates, that makes it much harder for them to refinance their debt. And there's a big debt wall that's coming up this year and next year that has to be rolled over and refinanced, and that's going to have to be done at higher rates. So the, the things you're looking for are not just necessarily in the banking system, but also looking at consumer credit delinquencies and defaults, as well as corporate defaults and corporate bankruptcies. So all of those will tell you those are all good leading indicators that the economy is starting to, to break down at some level. I see. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lance, today for your valuable insight. It was a pleasure speaking to you, as always. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Short sellers scored big over the past week, betting that regional bank shares would decline following the collapse of SVB and Signature Bank. According to research firm S3 Partners, short sellers may have raked in over $2 billion in the past three sessions, taking advantage of a sell-off in regional bank shares. Short sellers profit from stock declines by borrowing shares of companies they believe are overvalued, then selling them and buying them back at a lower price later. S3 says short sellers of those banks are sitting on massive profits. 
but have no way to realize those profits at the moment. It said these short positions will stay open until the shares are delisted and worthless. S3 told clients that SVB and Signature Bank are among the top five most profitable shorts among regional banks this year. Now, to get a sense of how community banks are doing in light of the recent turmoil, we talked to the group Independent Community Bankers of America. They represent about 5,000 small and mid-sized community banks. Here's Ann Balser, Senior Executive Vice President and Chief of Government Relations and Public Policy for ICBA. And great having you, Ann. Now, let's just get right into it. Uh, Bank of America gained more than $15 billion in new deposits after the fall of SVB. Let me just get your quick reactions. How are your members uh, looking at this? Are you concerned at all? I think it's an appropriate time for us to level set here. Our community bank members are safe and sound and not concerned. I think the main concern is around the messaging. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank has been mischaracterized as a small bank or a, even a tiny bank in some circles, and that's really not the case. It was one of you know the nation's largest banks, uh, clearly with a highly volatile customer and deposit base and business lines that were also concentrated, and that's you know, couldn't be any more different from our community bank members. So it's unfortunate to see, uh, you know, an uptick in in deposits moving to the nation's largest and riskiest institutions, because really what we have seen in our community banks who have been around for hundreds of years have demonstrated is, you know, we've we've gone through economic downturn before, we've, we've lived through the cycles and still consistently been a safe and sound place for our, you know, small businesses and consumers alike to keep their deposits. Right, right. And obviously people are concerned after the turmoil, maybe sort of their confidence, maybe wavering a little bit. How does ICBA address those concerns? You know, banking and uh, is largely uh, the, the strength of the system comes down to confidence in the system. You know, the, the federal government, our regulators took steps to immediately sort of backstop and, and curtail uh, losses that could have incur- um, been incurred by, you know, the deposit base at Silicon Valley Bank and some of the other institutions. And uh, ICBA's position has always been, um, you know, that, that that our banks have, again, withstood the test of time. Uh, so our, our messaging here is, you know, these are events that happened at institutions with, with business models, with a profile, again, where I say highly volatile deposit bases and customers. You know, we're looking at um, venture capital funds and cryptocurrencies that have been, had, you know, moved through these institutions that unfortunately have failed. We never want to see a bank fail. You know, we, we no, no institution wants to see another bank fail. Uh, we want to take all the steps and precautions that we can to remind the public that, you know, having a bank relationship, having a direct contact, you know, direct face, a branch, a community bank relationship is, is you know, what you need to provide some, um, you know, some assurance that, you know, that, that that's the difference here. You know, when you, when you call one of your community banks or go into a branch, you're not reaching a, a 800 number offshore. You're talking directly to, you know, someone in your community, you know, the same person you see on the sidelines of your, your children's soccer games or in the grocery store checkout. Uh, so these are folks that are embedded in the community, part of the community, and want to continue to see that community thrive. So that's, again, when, when you say confidence, you know, the, the, the place for us to remind our, you know, consumers and small businesses alike, uh, you, you can be confident and you can trust your, your community bank. 
Right, right. And I was looking online, and it seems like you have a lot of members with you. Maybe you just um, tell us a little bit how your members are feeling about this situation. You know, our members are, are saying, you know, it's another boring or another ordinary day on Main Street. One of the things you will continually see from community banks is during periods of economic stress, when our country uh, looks to and, and needs the financial system the most, that's when our banks really rise to the occasion. The common theme that runs throughout all of them is they're, you know, they're mission driven. You know, they, they, they exist and are the not only sort of the backbone, but really the economic engine of the communities that they serve. All right, thank you very much, Ann Balser, ICBA. It was a pleasure having you on. It was great to be here. Thank you so much. And artificial intelligence just became a lot more intelligent. ChatGPT 4.0 has been released. as more capabilities, far more intelligent than its predecessor, GPT 3.5. For example, it scores a lot higher on tests. We have a chart here now showing GPT 3.5's test rankings on the left and 4.0's rankings on the right. The most notable difference here is the uniform bar exam, where GPT 4.0 scores higher than 90% of real lawyers, and GPT 3.5 only scored higher than around 10%. When you're having a casual conversation with GPT 4, you won't see much of a difference, but when it comes to harder, more complicated, and more nuanced tasks, GPT 4 far outperforms GPT 3. Take a look at OpenAI's recently released demo video. Summarize this say article into a sentence, okay, getting a little more specific, uh, but where every word begins with G. So this is 3.5. Let's see what it does. Yeah, it kind of didn't even try, but let's try the exact same prompt, the exact same system message in GPT-4. So kind of borderline, whether you want to count AI or not. Uh, but so let's say AI doesn't count. That's cheating. So fair enough. The model happily accepts my feedback. So the response was gigantic GPT-4 garners groundbreaking growth, greatly galvanizing global goals. Wow, pretty impressive. But try and saying that three times in a row. Anyway, GPT-4 is also much better at writing code. We talked to AI expert Jake Maymar, who makes virtual reality experiences at the Glimpse Group. He says, with the GPT-4 update, decades of knowledge can be demonstrated in minutes. As an example, he talks about writing code for 3D objects in video games known as shaders. So I asked, basically, chat GPT 3.5 to make the shader. I haven't gotten a shader from it. I haven't gotten a commercial, commercial viable shader from that. And I'm going to plug that into GPT-4, and I'm going to see what kind of shader it makes. Now, what I'm excited about is it seems like it would actually cre create a commercial shader. Um, and normally, it takes about maybe a week to do it. Um, but the way I'm using it now is it takes about, you know, five minutes or a minute. Maymar says, we may be able to describe a video game to GPT-4, and it may be able to create that entire video game in the future. This is revolutionary for the industry. And GPT-4 can also look at images. For example, here's an image of a man ironing a shirt behind a yellow car. The man is physically tied to the car with ropes. The user can ask GPT, what is unusual about this image? And GPT-4 can intelligently point out that the man is ironing on an ironing board attached to the roof 
of a moving taxi very specific. But this feature is not out yet. We talked to AI researcher Alex DeRitter, who predicts it may take around three months. He says this is because GPT-4 still takes a long time to understand images, and the feature has to be refined. We also talked to Jed McCosco, the president of AcademicInfluence.com, a website that uses AI to rank schools. McCosco uses ChatGPT to teach his students at Wake Forest University. He says GPT-4 will also hallucinate less. I'll let him explain. When ChatGPT doesn't know the answer, meaning you've asked it something that is, it, when it answers it, it's, it's not going to have the right information. Instead of saying, I'm not going to have the right information, it will make up information that is incorrect. And that is technically called hallucination. So when a computer program spits out an answer and you as the user thinks, oh, okay, I got the answer, but then you find out it's wrong. And those are just a few of the new features. For more information, you can head on over to openai.com. Currently, only ChatGPT Plus subscribers will have access to GPT-4. We'll keep you updated on new developments. And Google continues to compete closely with Microsoft in artificial intelligence. Now that Microsoft has implemented its AI chatbot into business platforms like Salesforce, Google is putting AI into Google Cloud and Google Workspace. NTD's Sean Marshall has more on the story. Google announced several tools to allow businesses to use generative AI in ways to discover and harmonize corporate data. The company released videos yesterday on how Google Workspace will incorporate AI to help compose emails, rewrite letters, and create marketing materials. I spoke with James Barlow, a premier tier consultant on Amazon Web Services, about his uses of AI in providing business solutions. Helping draft agreements, right? You know, it can't be the letter of the law or the end all be all, but it can be a good starting point, you know, um, for, for going to market, maybe different products we want to offer and getting an idea of, hey, how should we define, you know, this agreement? How should we define this go to market strategy? Google appears to be threatened by Microsoft's public release of OpenAI's chatbot search engine integration. They've jumped ahead of Microsoft's scheduled public announcements twice now. After Microsoft announced last week that it was holding an event this Thursday to talk about AI in the workplace, Google subsequently scheduled news of their business AI integration Tuesday and briefed reporters on it Monday. A similar incident happened last month when Google pushed out an announcement about adding its Bard AI chatbot to its search engine. This was before Microsoft could announce plans to add OpenAI's technology into Bing and Edge. A new study released by KPMG finds that 85% of businesses surveyed expect to be using more AI in the coming years, but nearly two-thirds don't have any AI risk management processes. Barla mentioned his own experience using the GPT chatbot for business. It's really accelerating how fast we can actually do things that we would typically spend days or, or hours on, you know, and reducing that down to you know, in some cases, minutes, which is fantastic. While Microsoft has the edge in gaining a name in mainstream media first, Google still reigns supreme as the number one search engine and can learn from Microsoft's mistakes. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And now turning to healthcare, the U.S. government said today it would subject 27 drugs to inflation penalties. The move came ahead of President Joe Biden's speech in Las Vegas this afternoon. 
It's a provision of the Inflation Reduction Act. Drug makers will be penalized for charging prices that rise faster than inflation. The rule would cover people with disabilities or age 65 and older on Medicare. Companies that violate the policy will be required to pay Medicare back the difference. Those that didn't will face a penalty. The list includes the popular drug Humira and cancer therapies such as Yaskarta. This week, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law a bill mandating up to 40 hours of paid leave annually for almost all Illinois employees. Nevada and Maine have similar laws, but Illinois' law is more expansive. Critics say the law will create challenges for small businesses. Let's take a look. Effective January 1, 2024, all businesses in Illinois, regardless of size, will have to provide employees with up to 40 hours of paid leave per year for any purpose. Illinois' governor says the law helps employees cope with unexpected needs. Things happen in your life that are maybe small emergencies to someone else, but a big emergency in your own life. And so this is just one way and one beginning to what needs to happen to guarantee the rights of workers. Maine and Nevada have similar laws, but only apply them to businesses with more than 10 and 50 employees. Chris Davis from the National Federation of Independent Business says the new law hurts 25 percent of Illinois' small businesses. What keeps small business owners up at night is not knowing who's going to show up for work in the morning. Uh, so they unfortunately have to are faced with the decision of whether to close their doors for a day or to restrict uh, their hours of operation. But Governor Pritzker says the law will help employees be more productive, which benefits the businesses. Just like bigger businesses, small businesses want their workers to uh, be more productive, to be able to deal with their stresses and emergencies at home so they can be better and more productive at work. Given small businesses' limited resources, Davis says they should have more flexibility in dealing with employee time off instead of a one-size-fits-all law. Small business owners want to do right by their employees. They want to meet their employees' personal needs. Um, many of them just don't have the scale and the available income to provide this paid leave. Um, but they're also best positioned to work with their employees one-on-one -on -one, uh, to meet their employees' needs and still uh, keep their business operations moving forward on a daily basis. A few categories of employees are excluded from the law. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. We'll take a short break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, T-Mobile buying budget wireless provider Mint Mobile. What is T-Mobile going to have access to? Nike says it will stop using kangaroo skins to make shoes. What is it going to use instead? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. T-Mobile is acquiring Mint Mobile as part of a cash and stock deal worth as much as $1.3 billion. The acquisition will give T-Mobile access to the budget wireless provider. Ultra Mobile and Wholesale Plum are included in the deal as well. The brands will be run as a separate business unit. T-Mobile said today that it's acquiring the brand's sales, marketing, digital and service operations. 
T-Mobile CEO said the company plans to boost Mint's already successful business. The wireless carrier plans to use its supplier relationships and distribution scale to help grow the brands. T-Mobile became one of the country's largest carriers in 2020 after buying rival Sprint. The company's acquisition of Mint Mobile is expected to close later this year. Nike will stop using kangaroo leather for its shoes in 2023. The announcement came weeks after a similar step from German rival Puma. The highly controversial practice has drawn ire from consumers and animal rights activists. The Center for a Humane Economy calls the practice harmful. A growing generation of environmentally conscious shoppers has pressed for more sustainability from clothing companies. Several luxury brands have ditched the use of animal fur in their collections, including Gucci owner Caring SA, Italy's Prada, and luxury parka maker Canada Goose. Nike will debut soccer cleats using a proprietary synthetic material instead. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mai. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.